Welcome to another episode of Understanding Business. Today we bring back our guest, Captain Lee, from Bravo's hit show, Below Deck. Um, For those of you who are subscribers of the show, you're going to know that back in October we talked to Captain Lee, and um, he was actually on his way to New York, and he was gracious enough to give us some time to talk about business, leadership, a little bit about um, what he had done in his career before he uh, he became a captain, before the uh, the Bravo show. And um, we asked you guys to submit questions, and you had a ton of questions that came in. And we were unfortunately unable to get to them at that time. And so uh, Captain Lee is back today, and he's going to answer all of your questions. I just want to make a couple announcements before we get going. Remember, if you want to call into the show today, and speak to Captain Lee live. The call-in number is 347-855-8831. So um, without a lot of delay and and, um, sponsorship stuff, we're going to get right into the introduction of Captain Lee. Remember, if you want to have any additional information about this broadcast, go to utlradio.com. All the links to social media, YouTube channel, everything is right there for you. Uh, It's easy to find. That way you can subscribe to the show either on YouTube Live or through Blog Talk Radio or iTunes. We are, as always, streaming live on YouTube Live and Blog Talk Radio. So, Captain Lee, thank you so much for coming back onto the show. My pleasure, Peter. Glad to be here. All right. So, we talked last time. We talked all about, uh, you know, some of your your past experiences about owning a restaurant and some of the things that um, had kind of made you, you. And we didn't get to ask any of these questions. So why don't we start and see how many of these questions we can get through. Um, There's no way we're going to be able to get through all of them, but let's give it a go and see what we can do. Um, So the first question is a business question. And, uh, And this person asks, do you have any business role models? And if so, who? Wow. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of my favorites is the uh, is the president of the uh, Miami Heat, Pat Riley. I read a couple of his books, and he just has that uh, that easy mentality and easy way of getting the very best out of people without them realizing that they're pushing themselves way beyond their uh, what they would normally expect out of them, their, themselves. Right, and I right. really admire that quality in him. Do you uh, do you think you have some of that that um, ability to push people to their best without them knowing it? I try to. I, I try to get people to realize that they're really much more capable than they believe. There's things that they can do that they would, in their own minds, never dream of doing. But when in reality, they can accomplish a lot more than they think. You know, that's that's interesting because there's another question that we have here, um, and this question asks, well, it says, you seem like a confident person. Are you, and how did you develop that confidence? 
mostly through experience and, you know, having been there and having done it before. Uh, sometimes, you know, that little seed of doubt will, you know, crawl into your mind and you'll think, oh, my God, what if I screw this up? And then you just stop, take a deep breath and say, you know, you've been here before, you've done it, just do it again. So how do you um, take some of these young people, especially some of the people that are on the show, because some of them don't seem to have had a ton of yachting experience. How do you bring out the best in them? What do you do to try to motivate them and encourage them and let them know that they can do it? Well, the first part's up to them. They have to be willing. They have to be willing to listen and willing to learn and realize that they need to know what they don't know. They need to understand that fact that there's a lot out there that they just don't know and be willing to, you know, jump in and learn willingly, not kicking and screaming. Right. So I think that um, it's important to kind of to touch on that fact that, I mean, people don't know everything, especially young people coming up in an industry, whatever industry it might be, they don't always know. And sometimes there's that mentality with, with young kids that they know everything. And um but- that's just Correct. not true, and you can't you can't develop that way. No, they they think they know it, and the light hasn't gone over their head till they <laughs> make, you know, a, possibly a very horrendous and expensive mistake. And the good ones, it hits them, and they go like, "Wow, did I really right. do that?" And the bad ones, um, they just don't get it. So now this is going to just jump on piggyback onto some of these other questions. The next question is, where did you learn to be a leader? And, you know, do you consider yourself a leader? Not really. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. It's <laughs> it's not so much leading. It's just, in my mind, it, it's just doing the right thing. And, so you um, are you a believer in leading by example? Absolutely. You can't you can't expect somebody to do the right thing if you're unwilling to do it yourself. If you expect your crew up at a certain hour, you know you'd better be up and ready to go to work. You can't be laying in your bunk and saying, "Okay, everybody else, get up, get it." And I'll right. Be down there. It doesn't work. And that, that's interesting because you know there's so many people that run small businesses, even larger companies, and they believe that they've worked long and hard enough and they don't have to do what their employees do. And that, that they're, they're, you know, it's like a sense of entitlement. What do you say to that sort of attitude? Well, I, think, I think a sense of entitlement is a kiss of death. I think once you reach that point, you've drunk too much of the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to do um, a caller. We have a caller right now, so I'm going to bring a caller on, then we'll get back to these questions that um, that had come in. So, caller, what's your name, and from where are you calling? Yeah, this is Steve calling from Charleston, South Carolina. How you doing today, Steve? I'm doing well. Hey, Skipper, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Steve. You? It's really good to talk to you. I really enjoy the show. Uh, of course, when the show's in season, we're always discussing it the morning after with friends. I think a lot of people don't understand the level of responsibility it takes to run a ship besides you you uh captain and uh, there's sometimes there's some criticism about the way people are treated but i think you i'd like you to speak to how 
bad, things can go quickly if there is a high level of order on a ship that size. And, of course, last year you had the dockside incident. And, Peter, since you're on the show, <clears throat> I would like to talk about jurisdiction on the high seas. For instance, if there's a, you know, some incident aboard ship or even piracy, who has jurisdiction out there? All right. Well, Captain, I'm going to let you go first, and then I'll answer the jurisdiction question. Yeah. The responsibility issue is there's only one person responsible for everything and anything that happens on the vessel, and that's the captain. If the uh, if you remember back when the Exxon Valdez were on the ground some good many years ago, the uh, third mate was at the helm, and the captain was in his bunk, totally unaware that anything had gone wrong until it did, and yet. The captain's the one that goes to jail. He's the one that's responsible for anybody's and everyone's actions on board that vessel. So it, it's a huge responsibility because there's only, it, it's not a democracy. Everybody doesn't get a vote. And that's why the responsibility is so, is so enormous. Yeah. And I'm sure things can go bad in a hurry if things aren't done in an orderly fashion. Yeah, there's been a rash of, of bad things happening out in the sea in the last uh, three or four years, and some captains not behaving properly mm-hmm. as they should, like the Concordia, uh, the Korean vessel that flipped over. It just, you know. Absolutely. You need and to Peter, be if, Peter, if, there's the a, if there's an incident of piracy out there beyond the limit, who 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 takes control? Who, who do you call? You know, it's really, really complicated. It's become something that's looked at on a case-by-case basis. You know, it's something that maritime law is a specialty, and that's why there are lawyers out there that just focus on maritime issues. I don't, so I don't have the, uh, the definitive answer for you. But what I do know is that it really depends on where you are. You know, international waters are completely different <clears throat> from being off the coast where you can go to – Um, You know, the Coast Guard, for example, if you're off the coast of Florida, you know where you're going to go if there's an issue. When you're in international waters, it's completely different. And I think that, you know, it's very complicated. And that's why sometimes there's a delayed response, especially when there's an issue of piracy, because I don't think it's just, you know, it's not just us that doesn't know what to do. I don't think it's anybody. And I think there's this level of, all right, well, now we've got to get somebody on the phone to tell us what to do. I think that it involves politicians and, and, you know, way beyond just a simple area of law, if that makes sense. Well, it does, and I happen to know that some yachts are well-armed, and rightly so, so you can defend yourself. But anyway, Captain, I'm looking forward to this season and uh, really enjoy the show. Thanks for taking my call. Thank Thank you, you, Steve. All right. Bye-bye. So he had a good question. You know, I have a question about that. Um, as long as he he raised it, do you ever, where you are? I mean, you're on a a, a luxury yacht. Do you ever have a fear of, you know, someone trying to either ram the ship or board the ship or any sort of of violence? Do you ever think about that? It's the threat's always there, just because you know, a lot of these yachts have priceless works of art on board. There's a lot of cash. There's a lot of jewelry. It is very tempting, especially when you're cruising around third world countries. Right. I wouldn't say that you, you have a, a fear of it, but you 
you're constantly aware of your surroundings. You just need to be constant and vigilant. Have you ever have you ever been involved you never know in a when situation? Something could happen. Right, right. No, have I, you, have I personally you, haven't. But you, I've been I've been docked where it has happened to other boats. I remember one instance in Saint Martin where they actually had the guy on film. He uh, swam up to the back of the back of this mega yacht, climbed on board, went inside. They hadn't locked up properly, and he walked off with uh, all the crew's computers. Wow, you know, I never yeah. until Steve raised that. I I never really thought about that, especially not on a yacht. I mean, I I think about that more on on tankers and and you know things where. Um, it's not necessarily a pleasure yet, but I never really gave some thought to it. And it makes sense because there is a lot of uh, expensive stuff on these yachts. Oh, very much so. Tankers, they're basically after the ship itself, and they want to ransom it back to the insurance company. On board a mega yacht, they're after, I mean, there's a lot of removable stuff that's very valuable and very pricey. When you have a crew, especially one of these that, um, that that's from Bravo, because I think the last time we talked, you had said that you have say in who you select, but they kind of recommend certain people. Because if I remember correctly, you have your core group of people that work with you on a regular basis. And then there's these other kids that they want you to use. Is that right? Yeah, basically, depending on which boat we use, I'll keep the uh, the first officer and the uh, chief engineer on board with me because they know the boat intimately. Right. And it makes my life a lot easier just stepping onto a new boat. And then the rest of the crew will be made up of uh, of cast members, but who all, you know, all of them have their certificates and their necessary required licenses to, to be on board. Is there ever a discussion with them about the possibility of piracy or theft? We go through a procedure when when we get them on board. You know, you know, we keep the boat locked. There's no there's no point in inviting a situation to occur. Mm-hmm. So there's certain steps that we do take. And, you know, when we're out on anchor, somebody's on watch, and we have closed circuit TVs that watch everything that are viewable from numerous locations on the boat. In general, when you're on one of these mega yachts, how far off the coast do you go? It varies. If you're if you're doing a crossing, you could be three thousand miles off by the time you get to you know, three thousand miles off the coast of America by the time you get over to Gibraltar. Uh normally you're within 50, 60 miles, and when you're on charter, you're probably no more than two or three miles offshore at one time. Okay, I got you. Because sometimes on the show, it doesn't look like you're all that far from the coast, I guess just because of the way they're shooting. Um, but you actually, I mean, that's that's a good distance. Yeah, it, most of the, on the show, most of the shooting takes place you know, in close proximity to the island that we're visiting. Mm-hmm. Most people don't want to spend a lot of time going from point A to point B. They'd rather get to point B quickly and get on with their their holiday. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to um, a question here. This is um, I've tried to categorize these for you. So this is under the success and leadership category. Uh, they want to know: Can you talk about 
some of your biggest failures and great ex- greatest successes? Uh, I hope the greatest success is still yet to come. I think you never stop striving. Right. Uh, and then biggest failure, I've had some restaurants that uh, didn't really do so well. And I would say that, that my, my largest failures would probably come to that category from a business standpoint. Now, you know, that brings into uh, us or us into some of these other questions here. Um, so somebody wants to know if you still own restaurants. Not at this point in time, no. Okay. Uh, I, I think my, my largest, you know, shortcomings in the restaurant field started and were a direct result of just inexperience and, you know, trying to learn as I went. So right. and and as, as time went on, I made fewer mistakes and less costly mistakes. And that's one thing that you need to always keep in mind is that you must be willing to learn from what what you screwed up in the past. Now, the other thing you said as far as your greatest success is that, you know, it's yet to come. And that leads us into this question. Uh, This question asks, are you a positive thinker? And it certainly sounds like you are with that answer. And what kind of impact does positive thinking have on your business life or your personal life? I think that you can achieve anything that your mind can conceive if you're willing to pay the price for it, if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to go the extra miles that that it may take. Uh, A lot of people look at very successful people like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and, and those sorts of people. They sacrifice an awful lot to get where they're at. Some of them sacrifice their families, their family lives, sometimes marriages, for this dream that they carry deep inside. And if you're if you're willing to pay the price, I don't think there's anything that you can't achieve. Now, that's interesting because um, this person wants to know, how has being on TV affected relationships with your family? And so, you know, talking about making a sacrifice and, and throwing yourself into your work, you know, like some of these, uh, you know, billionaire people have done, it often has negative impacts on their on their family lives. How has being on this show affected your relationships with your family? My wife thinks it's funny. <laughs> and then somebody recognized me, and she would get a quite quite a kick out of that. But I don't I don't consider myself a celebrity. Just uh, just a captain of my job, and I happen to be getting filmed while I'm doing it. I try not to do anything any different than I normally do, and most people that that know me on a personal level, you know, watch the show and they go, they don't see anything different between the way I run a ship, when the cameras are rolling, and the way I run it when they're not. So that's, just, that's my wife. My wife keeps me grounded. That's really good to hear because there's so much today with reality television where you don't really ever see who the real people are. And that kind of um, destroys the idea of it being a reality show because it's not. It becomes a scripted show with people acting. And what's the difference between a drama and reality television at that point? Um, One question here. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I said I agree with that. All right. 
One question here is how much of the show is scripted? None of it's scripted. The cameras start rolling when first set a few hit deck in the morning. And everybody's mic'd up and they just keep the cameras rolling. So there there's and not we go there's about not reshoots. Job. They don't have to retake a scene or anything like that because it's just as it's happening. If you, I think if you, if you think about it, if, if you had to reshoot a scene with people that aren't the actors, it wouldn't come off very well. It wouldn't, it wouldn't look real. Right. Uh, so they rely on you know getting it right the first time. And there may be sometimes, sometimes where you have to do a voiceover because a plane went overhead or another boat came by or whatever, and they didn't get the audio. Other than that, now they they edit it as as it is. Well, that's that's kind of cool to know because it does have a real feel to it when you watch the show, unlike a lot of other shows. So that's that's nice to know because it, you seem like you know you're really getting reality television. I mean, it's, believe me, uh, there's some surprises that I wasn't faced with. But it, that's that's part of, you know, working on a yacht, that, you know, those things happen. And when you when you keep the schedule that we keep, and you're dealing with multiple personalities on board in a close-quarters situation where you know, most people, they get to go home at night and get away from their job. Well, we eat, sleep, breathe live our job 24-7. Right. It's always now, there, and our coworkers are always there. Speaking of, of coworkers, um, here's a question. This person wants to know, can you give some advice on dealing with difficult employees, or in this case, crew members, that you necessarily, you know, not necessarily, you don't really like them? How do you deal with them when you have to work with them and you don't like them? Uh, that's a tough one, especially in yachting. Uh, a lot of times it's, you know, you may not like them for a very superficial reason. And then you need to take a look at yourself and go like, you know, am I really being fair to this individual? And because it's very difficult to limit your contact on board a boat. Right. And if, if it's something that's really, really drastic where you just, you know, like, you turn around and walk the other direction when you see this person coming. And I'd say one of the two of you are going to have to find another boat to work on because it just won't work out. Uh, but as far as just general, you know, like, okay, you know, I can work with this individual, but I'm not going to go out and grab a beer with him. Right. That sort of thing. You just you just suck it up and you deal with it. Now, how do you, you don't, deal... let it, don't let it affect your, your, your performance. Right, right. Now, how do you deal with uh, difficult or bad clients? Because now, you know, there's that theory that the customer or the client is always right. And, and you know, this person wants to know how you deal with a bad client without sacrificing your own integrity, you know, not giving in so much where you're kind of just, you know, taking whatever they have to give you. How do you deal with clients like that? Generally speaking, most of the people that come on board are very well-mannered, very well-behaved. Um, if they're doing something illegal, such as 
drug, so I think that, that's not, that's, it's real tolerance policy. You know, we go straight to the back and I throw them off the dope. It's just not even open for discussion. Uh, if they don't show the proper respect for the bone, if damaging things uh, unnecessarily and they're not accidents, it's just being reckless and negligent. There's another method of getting close off the boat. But other than those two things, um, you really just kind of have to suck up the bad behavior or the rudeness because that's part of the job description. Right. It's not always pleasant. But, you know, you can do just about, you can deal with just about anything for a week at a time or two weeks. That's true. So, just remember where you're at, what you're doing, what you're getting paid for, and act like a pro. Now, this next question is, it's an interesting question. Um, and, And the question is, have you ever worried about a sexual harassment lawsuit with a female crew member on a boat? And I think that this person means in general, not necessarily on the TV show. Is that, because I, I know that in, um, today's business world, you know, it's very rare that you'll see a male supervisor or boss discipline or fire a female employee without having another person, generally a female, present. And you're on a boat with, you know, a lot of female crew. Have you ever thought about that? Does that worry you? It looks like we have lost Captain Lee, so hopefully that's a phone connection. Here we go. Let's see. Captain? Captain Lee? All right, we're dealing with a technical issue here. Captain Lee? Looks like it's on Captain Lee's end. He um, is trying to call back into the show. So um, while we're waiting for him to call back in, we'll just kind of recap where we are. So Captain Lee has been answering questions that you guys have asked. And um, see if we can get him back on. Captain Lee? Yes, sir. Sorry about okay. that. Oh, no problem. All right, so let me just re-repeat that last question. Have you ever been concerned about a female employee filing a sexual harassment claim against you? Um, And again, I just want to point out that not implicating or meaning that you would do something inappropriate, but it's so easy nowadays to sue somebody and to say something happened when it didn't. Are you ever concerned about that? Uh, No, I've never even given it a second thought. I just don't allow myself ever to get into a situation that would be compromising or could be misinterpreted as compromising. And That's, I think, I'm I'm not a very politically correct individual. I just kind of like uh, what you see is what you get. Right. I think that's a good point, though, for people in business to understand. Don't put yourself in a position, because it is easy to be sued, don't put yourself in a position where you could have somebody make up something about you. I think that's something that really people need to take to heart, especially, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female because there's these reverse discrimination suits out there too. Yeah, it happens all the time. I just refuse to allow it. Yep. All right, here's another question for you. This one's about the show. Does the camera crew stay on the yacht with you? 
No, they don't. The camera crew rotate on and off. Now, they will, we have somebody from the show on board all the time, uh, directors and, and story people. Yeah. And it, uh, the camera crews work in shifts, usually 12-hour shifts. And so when one camera crew comes on, they'll be on for 12 hours, and then we'll do a shift change. And next camera crew will come on. The other ones will go back to shore and stay in a hotel. Okay. Okay. We we have, I don't know, probably 40 to 50 individuals that travel with us on and off in different segments. Wow. So that's a pretty big crew. Yeah, it is. There's sound people, camera people, lighting people, directors, producers. All right, so let's move into Here's a personal question for you. Um, This person wants to know, what are some of the things that you do for fun? Oh, I like, I enjoy a round of golf. I love to go fishing, swimming. I like snorkeling. Um... All kinds of outdoor stuff. Love swimming. So you're an active guy. You're not sitting at home watching TV? No, I like to get out and do things. I really like to get out there. I think, you know, I can rest when this is all over. (laughs) (laughs) Do you watch all the episodes of Below Deck? Yes, I do. Well, that's good. That's good. I like to... uh, I like to see how the editing came out, and uh, I like to gauge people's reactions. And then when the show's on, I also tweet live during the show because it's it's interesting to get get people's take, yeah, and how they're perceiving the show. All right, here's another personal question for you. I don't know why they want to know this, but they do. They want to know if you're a Jimmy okay. Buffett fan. Oh, absolutely. You have to be, right? I think so. You know, he, he uh, Jimmy Buffett sings about uh, he sings about a lifestyle, tells stories, and what's not to like about that? He's pretty yeah. genuine in my, in my book. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move into um, you know another uh, another business question. All right, this question is: Do you believe in giving your team or crew pep talks? And if so, what do you generally say to them? I don't know if I'm a big fan of pep talks. I I think if you're if you're doing the right things and and running things properly, I don't think there's you know if if things are organized and I'm doing my job correctly, I don't think I need to uh need to motivate people to do their job. But they know what I expect out of them. And there may be isolated instances where you may have to sit somebody down, but just generally speaking, if they're in need of a pep talk, that means I'm not doing my job properly is the way I view it. All right. Now, this other question. If I'm not, if I'm not giving them the, you know, the proper tools and creating the proper environment, if I'm allowing them to get down to the point where I've got to prop them up, I'm doing something wrong, I think. Okay. Now, this question kind of piggybacks off of that, which is, what is your general management style? And from what you're talking about, it sounds to me like you are a huge believer in leading by example as opposed to just talking a lot of, of things. Is that true? 
I would say that's a pretty good assessment of it. I'm not I'm not big into micromanaging. I try to hire people that are competent that that know their job, and if they need assistance with it, all they have to do is ask, and we'll get it done. Uh, there's no there's no sin in not knowing how to do something. The problem usually gets created by not knowing how to do something and refusing to ask somebody, how do I do this, and then screwing it up. That's so true. Yep. Um, all right, let's go back to a personal question. Uh, do you ever travel outside of Florida for vacationing purposes? Yeah, uh, the wife and I try to take a, a vacation. Usually we try to get one in right after uh, right after we film we try to get a vacation in right after that. Where are some of your top vacationing spots? Uh, last couple times we went out to Monterey, California. I have mm-hmm. some relatives there, some family. And so we went out there to visit and enjoyed that. Um, now here's, there's a lot of ahead. places I haven't been to yet that I would, you know, dying to go to, but they're on the list. All right, so here's another one that's similar to that one. If you had to pick another state, to live in, which state would that be? Wow. Probably one of the Carolinas on the water. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't see myself a, a West Coast type of individual. The water's too cold for my, for my to suit my tastes. So you're more of a golf guy. Yeah, there's there's not there's not enough boating out there. I mean, there's a lot of boats, but there's just not that many places to go. You know, right. California, Southern California. Once you've done Catalina Island half a dozen times, you're pretty much limited, and they don't have the infrastructure like you know, like they do on the East Coast with the intercoastal waterway and the ocean and just a lot of different various places you can visit. All right, now here's an interesting question. This goes back to a business question. Aside from being a captain, what else do you do to generate income? And that's it. So this is your full-time career? This is it. I'm that, full-time captain. That is not a bad career. No, it's not. As offices <laughs> go, mine, mine ranks up there with the best, I think. It sure does. Um, somebody else wants to know if you're currently working on any other projects, like a book or anything like that. Not at the present time. I've kicked around some ideas. Lately, I've just been way too busy to give any serious consideration to it. But I'm sure something along those lines will happen. Well, that's good. I, I think that um, you know a book, I think people would jump all over a book, and it would be really great. Well, now, let me you. ask you. Let me ask you this. On a given week, how, you know, because we only see you on the show and we see the charter season come and go, but what happens after that? What do you do on a weekly basis? On a weekly basis, I have, I have a couple of boats that I, that I look after for some friends of mine. And then a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of prep work that goes into prepping for the show prior to. And getting the right boat, you know, getting it secured. Mm-hmm. Uh, I attend a lot of functions, a lot of boat shows, just, you know, to stay up on things. Right. I, do some, I take some classes while I'm off. 
because they're always coming out with a new regulation that we have to conform to. So there's, you know, at least once or twice a year I'll be popping in the classroom because of my education. That's important, I think, for people to, to take away from this, that no matter what you do, no matter where you are in your career, you're never too old, you're never too knowledgeable, you're never too good to learn more. You have to keep learning and perfecting what you do because every industry changes. And if you don't change with it, you're not going to succeed. Especially in ours, when you see the size of the boats that they're they're putting out now, you know, 100-meter boats, 150-meter boats. And, you know, years ago when I first started, a big boat was 120 feet. Wow. And if you come down to South Florida, I mean, 120-foot boats are just everywhere, literally everywhere. And you see the boats, you know, the large ones that they're coming out with now, and regulations have changed. And you'll notice that every time that there's a marine-related casualty or incident, like the sinking or the grounding of the Concordia, something like that, mm-hmm. directly behind that will be a whole host of new regulations that will come out as a result of that and that we'll have to adhere to and know about. Right. So it's just... it's constantly evolving all right let's jump back to a um a show question this person wants to know if ben's food is really as good as it looks on tv yeah it is (laughs) (laughs) i have to stay away from it otherwise i'll I'll just pack on the pounds (laughs) now uh are you are you friends with ben outside of the show I, I see Ben occasionally, yeah. We uh, we hang out together every now and then. He lives he here seems, in Fort Lauderdale. He bought a house here. He seems like a down-to-earth guy, too. He is. He's, he's very British. <laughs> now, here's another he, question about Sometimes it takes him getting used to that sense of humor. Right, right. Here's another show question. Is there anyone on the show who you would refuse to work with again? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's there's probably a probably two or three of them that I would definitely refuse to work with again. Okay. Um, you're, what was it about? You're looking for names, aren't you, Peter? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to push you for names. I'm not going to do that to you. Um, if you want to volunteer them, I'll take them, but I don't want to push you. Um, no, what is it about? What was it about these people that that makes you not want to work with them again? Is it their work ethic or something personal? Both. Work ethic and attitude. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a real low level of tolerance for stupid. I just (laughs) don't don't do it well at all. And to me, ignorance is just not knowing. Stupid is knowing and going ahead and doing it anyhow. Right. Right. And I just, right. I just don't have a tolerance for that at all. So. All right, now back to a, a business question. Uh, this person wants to know if you can give them some advice on firing an employee, when you should do it, how you should do it, how long you should wait before you fire somebody. 
I think that kind of depends on the circumstances. But if you've made up your mind that this person, you know, needs to go, uh, a bad employee is kind of like a cancer. You, you need to get it out of there before it infects the rest of the workforce and workplace and takes everything that you try to build up down. So I think I'm a firm believer in, in getting it out there, getting it out in the open and getting it done with as soon as possible. Yeah, I think that's a real good strategy because you're right. I mean, you get one bad apple, and even though you've got 10 great employees, that one person, for some reason, seems to be able to generate enough upheaval that other people start to, you know, fall off their game. You know, so I, it's I think, contagious. Yeah, totally is. I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, we had somebody that, that had called into the show during a question and answer show, uh, and they were talking about that exact issue. They had an employee that was never on time, always leaving early, and then it sort of, uh, it did, it spread to the other employees, and they thought, well, if this person's doing it, I can do it too. Sure. So I think you're right. I think the sooner you, you, you recognize a problem and deal with it, the better. It can right. permeate the whole workplace. Yep. All right. So here's a here's a, a business question. Are you or a personal question? Are you a goal setter? Do you set goals? Oh, absolutely, all the time. And, and as, soon you, as, as soon as I attain one, there's another one right behind it. I don't. I don't think you should ever stop setting goals. Are these? Are you the kind of person that writes down goals and you know goes through it that way? I don't write them down but they're generally the first thing I think about it when I get up and the last thing I think about before I go to bed. I know exactly where I want to go and what I, what I want to get done, and I think about it all day long as I'm working because that's what I'm working towards. The, what, what is I, I don't your, find it necessary to write it down or to visualize it. Right. What is, uh, what is one of your major goals? Right now, I would say one of my major goals is is to you know continue to try to make this show as successful as I can and do whatever part I can to to assist in that and and do it in the fashion that i you know set set forth in my mind i don't mm-hmm. want it to be um i don't want it to be phony i don't want it to come off as phony. I want to give people a real glimpse of what it is I do. No, I think that that's what makes you such a likable person. I mean, um, a lot of the questions and and comments that we received from people, they all said things uh, like, oh, we love him. He's our favorite person on the show. You know, he's the kind of guy I'd like to hang out with. I mean, all these sort of comments coming in about you. Uh, and I think that stems from the fact that you are so genuine that, you know, the way you are on the show is the way you are here, the way you are on the reunion. It, it's, it's, I think that's what makes the show great because you can get drama, but you, you often lack that sincerity. And I think that's what you bring to it. So I think if that's your goal, I think you're doing a great job. Well, thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate that. Um, here's a here's a business question. Now, I don't know how this applies to you, um, but the question is: Before Below Deck, how did you market or promote yourself or your business? 
in the yachting world, most of it is by reputation. You you can't afford it, it's such a small community. I mean, there's only five or six thousand super yachts in the world. So the employment pool is just it's not that big. Mm-hmm. And if you don't if you don't have a good reputation and good credentials, you don't get work. And most of it is, you know, you rely on other people and the job that you've done for them. Usually one leads into another job or another job because owners mostly generally they know each other. Or they're aware of each other because they're in that rear one percent. Or one one percent of one percent of people that can own these super yachts. So it, it's a very unique world, and it's very small, and you don't get the opportunity to make a lot of mistakes in it. I would imagine that there's, there's got to be some additional pressure on you being on a show that you know these these mega yacht owners could watch. You know, do you find that that puts extra pressure on you, or are you so um, you know set in the way that you do things that you don't worry about that because you know you're going to be you? Yeah, I don't. I don't think about that. I'm not, I'm not, I've told the producers of the show and they're fully aware that I'm not changing the way that I run a boat. What they see is what they're going to have to deal with. And if it works, then I'm very happy to continue. But if it doesn't work, then, you know, we should part ways. But right. so far, everybody's been content with it. And I try to do the best job that I know how to do. You know, that's something that I think is worth pointing out, your level of conviction, because so many people in today's world, especially some of these young people coming up, um, whether they're in in business or whether they're doing some sort of uh, online promoting, it seems that they'll do anything for the money. And what you said is so refreshing because you said, this is how I'm going to do it. And if you can't do it my way, then we're going to part ways even though you'd be walking away from conceivably what would be, you know, a decent payday. So how did you develop that sense of conviction where you're willing to walk away from money to make sure that your beliefs remain true? Well, I I think money is, is really secondary. I believe that if you become the best that you can be, the money just follows, but you don't have to sacrifice your your morals or your integrity because you only have one shot at that. Right. You, you don't get a rewind or a do over. And yeah, if think- you're willing to, uh, if you're willing to sell out, uh, are you really the type of employee that somebody wants to hire? I yeah. don't think so. That's true. Now, you see a lot of these kids on the show making, you know, some of them, not all of them, but some of them make fools of themselves. Um, and being that it's a small industry, what's the likelihood that some of these, these kids are ever going to get work in the yachting industry again? Well, you know, some of the kids get knocked down pretty hard. And it's not how far down you get knocked. It's, whether you, it's how you get back up and how you handle yourself afterwards, mm-hmm. the difference. Uh, if it's a one-time thing where somebody just really screwed up, 
and you know they're you know they can't believe they did that and they would never ever dream of doing it again that's a different story but where you've got the habitual guy that just you know and he's got to run into that wall half a dozen times and the light's still not going on right he's going to have a tough time the one time you know the one time screw up the one time accident where you're learning from your mistake that's completely doable but the guy that has you know just doesn't get it, probably never will. And right. his life in yachting is going to be short-lived. You know, I, I think it's true. I mean, I, I get that the yachting community is very small because of the money needed to own these mega yachts. But for people who are in any industry, you know, at some point when you get to the top of that industry, it's small as well. And the way that you conduct yourself and the way that you, um, you know, act, I think, can impact you. Even if you're in, in a field where, you know, it, it's a lot broader and wider. I still think that that level of integrity that you bring to your industry is important because people within your community are going to be able to see when you are not uh, a genuine person. You know, do you, do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. It, it's people are not people are not stupid. They can they can see through you know the the transparent and the plastic people, right. and the people that are just you know entitlement people are just you know they're very easy to spot, and people know when somebody genuinely cares about what they do and whether they do it right or wrong, and they care you know about how they're perceived. Well, I, I think that. that- you come across, at least in my perspective and from what I've seen from people who have written in, uh, you come across as really loving what you do. And it's so important to love what you do because otherwise you're not going to put 110% into what you do every day. No, you've got to, you know, there's there's not a lot of gray area with yachting because you do make a lot of sacrifices. But there's also a lot of reward. I mean, and sometimes, you know, I have to pinch myself and go like, God, I can't believe somebody's really paying me to do this. <laughs> it's, it's, a great, it's a great feeling. Oh, that is good. Now, here's, here's an interesting question. Now, this one talks about the reunion show in particular. And mm-hmm. this one says, on the reunion show, the last one, you seemed uncomfortable. Are you camera shy? Um, no, not really. I just kind of forget that they're there most of the time. Uh, sometimes I'll get uncomfortable with the with the topics, or like I said, I I don't do stupid very well. And when I hear you know some of the crew talk, sometimes I just like really, I'm, <laughs> I'm having to sit here and, and and listen to this dribble. Right. And I guess I I'm, I mean I wear it on my sleeve most of the time. So I, my wife says I shouldn't, but sometimes just. You know, that's the way it is. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I think we need more genuine people. I, you know, the reality television has just gotten way out of control with all the shows that are on. Um, but I think that if you had some more genuine characters like yourself, I think that it would change, um, you know, look, I think you can learn something from the way that you do things. And that's why I asked you to be on the show in the first place, because – you know, you're not going around the country giving seminars on leadership, but yet 
you are a leader and you do have so many um, areas of knowledge to, to give to people that can translate into the business world, you know, beyond yachting. And I think that, that you being who you are and, and, you know, showing people that this is how I do things is a real refreshing thing. I, I think it's great. So I think, you know, listen to your wife so you don't get in trouble, but I think you just keep doing what you're doing. Well, thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate that from coming from you. You know, here's here's a question. Um, I don't know how much you know about this, but it's it's an interesting question. Uh, this one says, what do you think about reality TV stars who have secrets to hide like the Duggars? And, and obviously they're referring to um, the 19 Kids and Counting show and what had come out just in the past few weeks about um, one of their their sons and charges of uh, alleged child molestation, that sort of thing. What do you think about people going on reality shows when they have things to hide? Oh, I don't know. It's reality stars to me is kind of an oxymoron. I think you know. I don't consider myself a star by any stretch of anyone's imagination. And I, I think that, you know, people fall into that that trap where they start sipping out of the Kool-Aid cup and they start believing everything that everybody writes about. Them. And, you know, if you're going to put yourself out there, you know, you're going to be subject to scrutiny. So if there's if there's something in your past that you don't need air or that, you know, you're afraid of, you should uh, probably avoid being on television. Or if it's something that, you know, you think is going to be, you know, totally detrimental to you. Provided that, you know, mistakes, everybody makes them. And then are there mistakes that, that, you know, people don't want other people to know about? Absolutely. Everybody's got a closet full of them. And if they don't, they're lying. Yeah. So, you know, but and and then some things are just brought out to just blatantly humiliate people, which I don't agree with either. Right. You know, somebody made a mistake. Okay. Did they fix it? Did they learn? You know, if they did, get over it. Yeah, you know, I think that um, that attitude that, that you just displayed, the idea of forgiveness, is something that we as a society, we've kind of lost. You know, you can have somebody make a mistake and genuinely make a change in their lives or feel as though, um, you know, they learn from it and they can become different people. But I think we as a society uh, take pleasure in seeing other people fail. And get excited when we see, uh, you know, here's somebody that, that's making what we believe to be a lot of money because they're on a reality show and now they've screwed up and this is so exciting. Um, and I think that's kind of sick. And I don't understand how, as a society, we've transformed into one that just does not forgive people or accept mistakes. What do you think about that? Yeah, it kind of reminds you of the Romans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Years ago, it just no. I I I totally agree with that. I just you know, we need to be more forgiving. I mean, people do make mistakes. It's when you keep making the same mistakes that you know it becomes a pattern and it becomes who you are. Right. 
that that we should find disgusting. But but because somebody made a mistake, they were made a bad decision, were in the wrong place at the wrong time, and and this happened and that happened, and they got caught up in it, and bad things happened. Um, and then from that point on, they've turned their lives around. They've made you know they've done a lot of great things. Well, are we to sit in judgment on them? Right. I think right. it's kind of uh, arrogant of us to to do that. Yeah, and you know something that um, is I think worth noting. We, we had Captain Lee Abershoff on the show um, last year. He was the commander of the USS Benfold, and uh, he talked about some of his Navy crew members who made mistakes, and he instructed them, forgave them, and then they became some of the best crew members that he'd ever worked with. And I think that if we're so quick to write people off and not forgive and maybe teach, then I think you could potentially be losing out on the development of a great talent and also shortchanging that person. Have you ever had that experience? No, absolutely. I, I, think, you're, I think you're totally right there. We, we become a throwaway society. We don't fix things anymore. Yeah. Your TV breaks, you throw it away. You go get a new one. And that's carried over into people. You know, somebody makes a mistake, get rid of them. No, not if they're worth something, you don't get rid of them. If they continuously make the same mistake again and again and again, that's probably time for them to go. Right. But a mistake, fixable, I mean, it's not no harm, no foul, but it's, you know, there's a, they, if they take responsibility for it, if they're striving to, you know, correct it, do the right thing, you don't just toss that aside. There's there's good in there to be brought out and utilized. Yeah, and it's a shame that more people don't view, you know, other people like that. I mean, I, I like what you said. It is a throwaway society. That's exactly what we've become. And, you know, I think... An, an instant gratification and throwaway society combined makes for a very dangerous combination. And I think if we're not careful as, as a society, as a country, you know, I think that we could see a lot of people who might have talent just fall by the wayside because nobody's willing to put that time into them. I agree. We should be, we should be investing more in people. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I, I think that that's one of the things that, um, you know, a lot of the people have commented about with respect to you. It seems as though on the show, you know, you exhibit that forgiveness and, and you exhibit that attitude that you're talking about now. Look, somebody made a mistake. Um, I can forgive you. I can move past it because I know that deep down you're a good person. You're doing you're trying to, to do better. And I think that clearly the show demonstrates that ability that you have to see somebody who's doing a good job but made a mistake versus somebody who is just, they don't care. And I think that it's illustrated very well on the show. Well, thank you, Peter. Um, all right, so we are almost out of time. I just want to talk for a second about um, where you are with the show. Is there a new season coming up? Uh, when, you know, what, what, what should we look for? What can you tell us about that? There, there is a new season. Season three will be airing sometime this summer. Nobody has given me the uh, exact date of the premiere. But we finished shooting 
oh, a couple few months ago, and it's in post-production now. So that'll be coming out uh, as soon as uh, as soon as I find out, I'll be posting it as to the time and date. And I personally think that we just I think it was just a great season. This one we finished shooting, I, I think it's going to be really, really, really outstanding. I was just uh, how very many, pleased with everything went. That's awesome. How many, or can you tell me, how many of the, of the returning crew are going to be back for season three? I really can't say. Okay. okay. All right. So we will we will stay tuned for that. Um, in the meantime, um, I'm going to make sure that there are links in all of the show notes, both on YouTube and Blog Talk Radio, and um, you know everywhere else, so that if you want to get in touch with Captain Lee or follow him, you can. His Twitter handle is um, it. I'm gonna spell it for you: C A P. T-H-L-R. So that's his Twitter handle. It'll be in the show notes. Um, I have seen you tweet out during the show, and uh, it's nice to have that ability to interact with you and see what you're thinking, what other people are thinking. So it's kind of a fun thing to do. So I think people should um, should follow you on Twitter, and then that way they can interact with you during the show. Absolutely. I enjoy it. All right. Um, is there any other way for people to uh, to get in touch with you? Um, do you do you offer any sort of um, you know private cruises? Do you do you do anything like that? Not right at the present time, but it, it's something that I'm going to be looking into. All right. Well, I think and, you should... uh, I I do have a Facebook page also that's just under Captain Lee. All right, so I and think that we are gonna there. we're gonna wait for you to tell us what your next move is because there are so many people that are so interested in you. You know, it's funny because you don't think of yourself as a celebrity; you think of yourself as you. But yet, so many people out there look up to you. They are so interested in what you're doing. I mean, it's kind of got to be a weird feeling to go from yeah, you know that, like a normal guy. Yeah, that's I'm still. I still can't get my head wrapped around that one. Well, I think as the seasons move forward, I think you're going to bring in more and more followers and more people. So I think you're going to have to get used to it. (laughs) It's a nice problem to have, Peter. It is. All right. Well, Captain Lee, thank you so, so much for coming back on the show and going through these questions. Um, It really means a lot to us here and to all the people who sent the questions in and uh, we really look forward to hearing from you. You know, please keep in touch, keep us updated so that we can let our listeners know what you're up to. And, uh, you know, love to have you back on again to uh, to check in and, and talk about some of the new things you're working on. That'd be my pleasure, Peter. It's been a real honor. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. We'll look out for season three. All right. Thanks a lot, Peter. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. So Captain Lee from uh, Bravo's Below Deck just finished up a show with him. He's such a nice guy. I mean, really a genuinely nice guy. And I wish that there were more people out there like him. Um, Just really a down-to-earth, straight shooter, somebody that you, you could just have an honest conversation with. And I think that so much uh, uh, about him um, can be transferred or can translate into management, leadership, 
And um, you as a business owner, you as an entrepreneur, you as an employee, we can learn so much from what he is telling us. And I think that uh, you just have to be open-minded enough and, and, and separate for a second, you know, the show, which is entertaining, but look at what he does because he talked about leading by example. And if you look at the way that he interacts with the crew, the things that he does, the work that he does, and how he actually follows what he preaches and leading by example. And I think that um, we all could learn something from his style. You know, you don't have to be uh, somebody that's going on this public speaking circuit and, and, and writing books all the time to have some valuable information that we can learn from. And Captain Lee is one of these guys that I think that um, you, know, you really could learn from. He is a, a, a hard worker, an honest person, and very, very genuine. And I think that that's what I like so much about him uh, because it's really few and far between in, the, in today's business world where you find somebody that's so genuine that you feel like you could go out, you know, you know, have a beer with them and, and connect versus these people that are just phonies and all they care about is the dollar. You know, it becomes this, this capitalist society to the extreme to the point where you don't even know if you can trust the people you're talking to. You don't know if, if they're going to stab you in the back the minute you turn around. And um, it makes it very challenging in today's day and age to be, a, you know, in, in business. And um, so I'm, I'm very glad that he was on again. I think that um, had a little fun, answered some uh, personal questions, which I appreciate. Um, but I really do think that there's a lot we can learn from him. I would love to see Captain Lee write a book in the future. I think it would really be a bestseller. I think that there's a lot that we can learn from him. So I encourage you to check him out on Facebook and on Twitter. Again, I will drop links in the show notes. Um, I believe the Twitter handle is already in the show notes. I'm going to add the Facebook page. And uh, stay tuned for Season 3 of Below Deck on Bravo, which Captain Lee said finished shooting and will air sometime this summer. Um, it's always a fun summer show to watch. I, I, I watch it. I, I'm going to admit it. I love it. I think it's great. Um, very entertaining. And... Um, you know, I, I think for me, I like that, that Caribbean island feel. I happen to be a Jimmy Buffett fan as well. And, um, you know, while I'm sitting here in my office up in New Jersey, I'm often dreaming about, you know, being between two palm trees on a hammock. So um, it, it certainly is a great show to watch and a fun show to watch, too. But the next time you watch the show, or if you're going back and watching reruns, I want you to look at the way Captain Lee handles himself, and I want you to pull, extract from what you see lessons that you can, can take away and put into practice in your own business. Again, whether you're a business owner, entrepreneur, manager, president of a company, or an employee, you can learn something from him. So that's going to do it for today. Uh, again, tremendous amount of thanks for Captain Lee giving us his time to be on the show uh, thanks to uh, to the callers. I unfortunately could not get to um, the rest of the callers. They were in the queue for some time. We were able to get through Steve's call. I appreciate his call. 
And um, hopefully, we'll be able to have Captain Lee back on in a few months, and we'll check in with him uh, maybe after the third season airs and, and see what he has to say. I'm sure that we're going to learn more uh, lessons from Captain Lee on season three. I want to thank everybody who has tuned in live. I want to thank everybody who has subscribed on YouTube or downloaded this podcast on iTunes or through Blog Talk Radio. Remember that you can go to utlradio.com and you will have links to everything. There's news, there's updates, uh, the show schedule is up there. Don't forget, be on the lookout for this new business law and music show. Um, we're going to be launching it in, in the next few weeks. And um, it's going to be called UTL Radio on a different note. And we're going to be taking a musician, an artist, a band, uh, and we're going to be speaking about that person's business and legal experiences, as well as featuring their music and talking to them about uh, the music industry. So it's going to be a really fun, entertaining show. It's going to be great for people in business, great for people who are trying to break into the music industry and great for people who love music like I do. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to do that with my co-host, Bob Hughes, who co-hosts the Week in Review show on Mondays. So be on the lookout for that. I'm going to keep you updated. Don't forget to submit your questions to the Business and Legal Live Q&A shows by going to UTL Radio and making use of the SpeakPipe widget, which is on the homepage. There's also a tab that says Ask Your Question. And you can record your question directly through your computer. We'll get it. Also, don't forget to download the app. All of this is free, by the way. I mean, absolutely free. Download the app, and it'll give you the ability to listen to the show and a calendar where you can see the upcoming shows, as well as a ton of other free information. So check that out as well. Links are on utlradio.com. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you again for tuning in. Please let me know what you think about this show. If you have additional questions for Captain Lee, we'll gather them up and hopefully present them to him on another episode of Understanding Business. Thanks again. And remember that there's power in understanding the law. 